Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today we have a local guest that Tony is going to introduce. This is Jake McAfee. He is the uh, main dude at McAfee Home Group. Uh, if you want to see the, the properties he has available, it's on uh, myindianahomes.com. I was doing some research beforehand. Did their homework nice. <laughs> uh, he's with Century 21 Bradley, and I think he still has a pressure washing business as well. He's got multiple things going on, Lucky Hoosier pressure washing, as well as I've been seeing his YouTube videos pop up. Uh, the YouTube algorithm figured out that I watched like the majority of his wings, his hot wings video. Thanks, man. You hung in there the for the majority? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, until the very end. I was actually a little bit upset with you, Jake, because I, I wanted some controversy. I wanted you to tell me which wings were the best. I know, and, and I used to do Wayne. that. When I first started making videos, I did do that. But then I felt bad because I'm like, if somebody has a great product and I'm having them finish last in a video mm. and they're a local business owner, I know it's kind of a cop-out, but I just I didn't like doing that. So that was why I got away from that. So you lived in florida for a bit why did you move here uh well i'm from fort wayne originally and Mm. then after going to purdue and freezing my butt off i went down to orlando florida Mm. um spent 12 years there wow and uh yeah i just started growing my family and you know on paper everything was great like we were in a really good neighborhood downtown you could like see the skyline in our backyard and um i liked the brokerage i was at had a great group of friends, loved the kids' school, but like in general, the city of Orlando is a little, it's a little rough. Like you think Disney, but Disney is like one little portion on the outskirts of town. Like the city itself, you know, is actually kind of dangerous and mm-hmm. it just started wearing on me a little bit. And then we bought an Airbnb here, which started um, bringing me back. I hadn't been back in a while. And every time I was here, I just liked the pace and the people and all that. So just decided to up and move. What what got you started in real estate? Did you start in real estate when you were in Florida? Yeah. So um, that journey was basically I at, was working. At Old Town Brokers? Old Town Brokers. Nice. <laughs> My man over here. Um, yeah. So what it started with um, I, was, I went to Florida. Uh, I graduated from Purdue with landscape horticulture and design. I was working at some resorts, which ironically my wife is staying at right now. My kids, the same resort I used to manage. Um, and it was a lot of work for not a lot of money. And so I hired a guy who had his own business in uh, New York. He ended up, he was only there for like, he was a purebred entrepreneur. He lasted like two months with this company and was like, yeah, no. And he started a a company that would clean out and maintain foreclosed homes back when the market crashed. So in March of 09, which was the lowest month of the stock market, I quit my job to join him. I couldn't even, I actually didn't even know what a foreclosure was, but I just liked him and I liked his vision and he's super aggressive. And we set up shop in Phoenix, Arizona, Tacoma, Washington, and did work in like DC, Baltimore, Charlotte. And we would basically, our job, we were contractors. So the asset manager would hire us to clean out homes for the bank, like Fannie, Freddie, all mm-hmm. those, um, and then get it ready for sale. And so we did that for a couple of years and it was good money, it, lots of traveling, which I enjoyed, but um, it just was really dangerous. And so I got to the point where I was kind of getting sick of it. Um, and I bought a house in 09 and 10. I bought a house and a condo. So I started kind of just tracking prices just out of curiosity. And I was pretty green on real estate. I didn't really know even what that word meant. And so um, that one thing led to another, and I wanted to get out of that business. So my friend and I flipped the house. That was my first listing. Um, and then we just were kind of off and running with selling. What, what was dangerous? 
Um, so my job was to be like when a house was foreclosed on, I would be the first one in the door. Oh, so snap. I would drill the locks and never know. I could go. That could be a whole pod in of itself. I mean, we're talking like houses full of dead animals, um, squatters, you know, buckets of feces where people have been living there for months. And I'm in these like rural, sometimes in the mountains, sometimes in the middle of the desert. It's like I never knew who was waiting for me, you know. And yep. so, and I didn't have any like protection. You know, people are like, why do you carry a gun? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think about it back then. I'm like, I probably should have. But Jeez. yeah, it was pretty wild. So then I would get the crew like we would we'd have a bunch of crews. So we would figure out like what crew needed to go and get all the stuff out, get it cleaned and then get it ready for the agent to list it. We just had uh, two like that, actually. Uh, so this morning, sent somebody over to look at a property dog in the uh, downstairs supposed to be vacant. Then uh, Connor, actually our project manager, went over to go look at a property that we already closed on. Apparently, the guy killed himself inside he, of the property. Um, so I was like, dude, the, yeah, when you're dealing with houses and stuff, it's so crazy. And I can't even imagine the foreclosure parks. I feel like, did you ever encounter any mean people or upset? Uh, not really. I mean, there was one house I was in Phoenix, and it was a hoarder house. And I went in. And I'm like, you know, stepping on all this stuff, you know, trying to wade through it because I had to get pictures to show the bank like, A, I was here and B, here's what it looks like because um, it was very, very time sensitive. So I was rekeying like 10 houses a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we were we were rocking and rolling. We were knocking out houses like crazy. And um, I like I had a guy turn around and all of a sudden there's this super creepy looking guy standing in the doorway and it was the only exit. And so, I mean, the garage was like on the other side, but he was between me and the garage, too. And I was super freaked out. He eventually left, but then the feds came looking for him the next day when our crews were there. And they, like, Jeez. described him, and it was, like, this guy. And uh, So, no, no, never, like, there was a couple times squatters were there, um, and I just bailed. I had one weird one. I was doing an um, eviction. So evictions are, um, I think that's what it was called, evictions, with um, the sheriff there. Yep. And uh, it was crazy, like, all the neighbors. It was a really rough neighborhood in Florida. And all these neighbors started coming out and kind of started chirping at the cops. And I'm like, he, I have him with me. So I'm like, I'm not nervous. And he's like, Hey, can you, uh, can you hurry up? And I was like, wait, are you scared? I'm like, do I need to be freaked out? And so we get in there in the house and the whole wall was all bees. Like the bees had turned an entire wall into a honey, like a honeycomb. What the yeah. Heck? And so there was like thousands of dead bees on the ground. It was a really weird, and I just got in and out, but no, luckily, thankfully, like nothing, you know, anytime I'd ever seen squatters or anything, I would just leave. I wouldn't, I'm not going like, to confront anyone or anything right. like that. It was, you don't pay me that much. So, <laughs> so I just got out of there. Jeez. Yeah. So did you, what, so that got you started into real estate kind mm -hmm. of, cause you started to see these properties. Did mm -hmm. you know about the, uh, like buying and holding or did you know about flipping or did you ever no. consider being a real estate investor? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what started happening was like, I bought my first house. It was a foreclosure really rough i remember my dad was laughing after he bought it. he's like i thought you made a massive mistake because it was it was gross it smelled that's kind of what we wanted my mm -hmm. wife and i and so um, we made it our own then i bought a condo and the problem was that i didn't understand i was just so naive you know and i didn't understand creative financing i, I didn't really understand financing and so i saw deals like everywhere i mean i could just go on and on about how many amazing deals i saw and i'm like i didn't know how to move on them you know and so and I was really big in a Ramsey at the time. So like I paid cash for the condo and I was trying to save up cash for another one, which was taking me forever. And if I had it to do over again, I'm like, gosh, I know I saw these deals. I just didn't know yeah. how to execute. So yeah, I wanted to, I just didn't know what I was doing. So you were with your, your to be wife then. Mm -hmm. And then 
did you guys move to you did you start your family in Florida yeah. and then you moved to Indiana yeah we had our third child and once we had our third child um, she was ready to stay home and you know she had a very successful sales career I mean she was like crushing and so um, it was not an easy decision like my business I was seven years in six seven years into selling so I walked away from you know six seven year sales career she walked away from a nice sales career and just completely start over from scratch in 2019 here. What was she selling? Uh, she was a recruiter, like staffing. Okay. So like mostly IT, um, but she was a natural. Like there was stuff that I was learning that she had been doing forever, and I'm like, why didn't you tell me this stuff? You know. <laughs> so. So you guys moved to Fort Wayne, and then uh, what does it look like for you being a realtor? Do you do you still have a focus on like lifestyle design and that sort of thing, or is it sort of a struggle to like keep stay 100 percent in your relationship and 100 percent for your kids and give being a realtor 100 percent. do you struggle with that or do you feel like you've perfected it um i don't i don't feel like i struggle with it but i also don't feel like i perfected it so this is something i actually talk about a lot i feel like i think that work-life balance is like a, a made-up term that creates stress for people for no reason um, and no offense if you guys are like big on that, I don't know. Um, but I, I feel like what, what work-life balance is, to me, it's a reflection of like times are so good right now. Like we don't realize how good we have it right now, like, you know, as, as Americans. And I think that so now we have the, the luxury of sitting around and thinking like and overanalyzing. And then we start thinking like, am I working too much? Am I not there for my kids enough? Am I not doing this? And to me, I just try to do my best and not judge yourself you know, I mean, I'm very big on Gary Vee, so a lot of the stuff I'll probably say today is stuff I've heard him say. Mm -hmm. But um, that was a big one for me because I, li I like to work. Like, I enjoy it. You know, I get up early. I get in the office early. Like, I'd like to stay late. But, you know, I still try to be there for my kids. You know, next week I'm taking a week off to go to the lake with them. So I think you just kind of take it one day at a time and try your best. And also know, like, if you want to grow a business and you want to have a successful business, it's going to come with some sacrifice, especially on the front end. And you either have the choice of doing it with meaning sacrificing time with others or you're going to limit your business and you have to be okay with that too and, you know, don't vote for other people's taxes to go up. So, Are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place? We've been there before and honestly we've tried several different CRMs and RE Simply has been the absolute best. RE Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records incoming phone calls. The system is very easy to use, and honestly, it has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try RE Simply today. Click the link in the description below. Check it out now. I guess I guess that is important too. I thought I didn't think about that. It's like we're worried about am I spending enough time with my relationship? Am I spending enough time with my kids? In the 1920s it would have been like are we going to make enough money to where I can afford this loaf of bread so that my family can eat? Correct. And That's, so it yeah. wasn't it wasn't about like am I giving my kids all the attention and love and everything they deserve? It was like can my kids get this medication so that they don't die of smallpox? Correct. And that's kind of what I was getting at. I, I feel like uh and that's not like it's good. That you, I think it's good that people care. I don't want to sound like condescending or judgmental. I, I just feel like I think you can drive yourself crazy. Like, I don't think like what's the balance? I don't know. Like what I have, you know, you could win what you'd never go to work if you really wanted to spend as much time as you could with your kids. And then you'd have another problem. So mm -hmm. I just feel like you have to figure out, like, what do you want out of life? Like my br my brother, for example, works a W-2 job for the city. 
he goes home at the end of the day and his phone is off he has no email like he loves that and that's that's his life and for me like my phone is always going and people are always reaching out to me starting from like five in the morning till nighttime but i enjoy building businesses so i think you just have to identify like what brings you happiness and what brings you fulfillment and like what do you like to wake up and do every day you have any relationship advice <laughs> um what kind of relationship <laughs> i mean like you're talking about like spouse or yeah, like you're team married. or yeah you've been for, married for a minute for married well for i think again i think it how many years on, i've been married for 10 years that takes a little bit of yeah effort be to make that yeah, continue to work um i think have three kids and four. then I have four, four kids. I now have four, and, and I have twins on the way to. Wow! Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, shoot me. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think um, I don't know. I, I think I guess for me, I can only talk about my experience. For me, I needed to like chill out. Like I was very argumentative. Like had to win, and my wife's not like that. Like she, that's like a waste of time to her. So I think just learning to like you never really win. Even if you like win the argument, you still have to live with that person every day. Mm -hmm. So like one, like she's been really good for me because she's patient with me when I get frustrated and she's not argumentative. And uh, so for me, it was just, you know, the, the basics being respectful and not getting hung up on little stuff. How about raising kids? Um, I mean, I guess we'll see, you know, I, it's like, I feel like I shouldn't give advice. Mine are only nine, nine, seven, four, two, and, in the womb but it's it's tough for me to say with that because it's like i don't know how they're going to turn out like i have my thoughts and ideas but you know i just try to be consistent with them and establish boundaries and um make sure they're respectful like those are pretty much my goals mm. is there anything specific that you did with your kids that you're sort of proud of like for instance my daughter whenever i would take her down to play at the playground and stuff she was probably already going to inherit a lot of my personality, so she was already going to be extroverted. Mm -hmm. But instead of putting her on my hip, I would put her in front of me and then wrap my arm around her like a seatbelt. Mm -hmm. And then I would whisper in her eye, like, say hi, say hi. And she would just say hi to everybody. And so I was just getting her trained to, sure. like, hey, you don't have to be afraid of people. Like, I know there's the whole stranger danger thing, mm -hmm. but I'm like, nah, you're you're going to be able to, like, just go up to people and and feel comfortable with them. I wanted her to be like have a personality yeah you know? sure um i don't know that's a good question i guess something i'd be proud of is i feel like my kids are pretty respectful like nothing drives me crazier than disrespectful little kids like it really bothers me like you know they'll come up to me and be like hey can i have candy and i'm like who are you like get away don't talk to me like that you know i would never get smacked for talking like that you know so um i think that they're very respectful um i try really hard to encourage them to try things i'm very big on trying like, you have to try it. You have to try this food. I like to, I would like for you to try the sport. You don't have to play sports, but I at least want you to try if you have interest in it. And I don't really care if they stink at it. Like, I still just encourage them to do it. Like, I have no visions of grandeur. I don't have, like, I don't, you know, people are always telling me, like, oh, you got to get them into this for scholarships. And I'm like, I don't really care about that. Like, if they want to do it, that's great. I just want them to try and, like, be a good teammate and, you know, not be afraid because I think, look kind of bringing it back to like business I feel like what something I did when I was younger was I think I limited myself because I was afraid to make mistakes so I instead of going out and trying new things I was very anti make mistakes and so when you do that like you're gonna limit like what your options are you know like you mentioned um, YouTube videos and I feel like 
those have come a long way because I wasn't afraid to make bad ones. And after you make bad ones, then you get slightly better. And so that's what I'm trying to instill in them is like, just try new things and don't beat yourself up. You know, I think uh, there's there was some advice that uh, Dr. Matt, who's from neurolinguistic programming, and uh, he said, so the only thing for your children then is to make sure that if somebody's like, hey, you want to try these drugs? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my dad said, like, try everything once. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, that's a good point. his advice was who if somebody ever offers you something to be like, well, you do it. And then uh, I want to see like how it, how it goes for you and then like wait 15 minutes <laughs> like yeah. then if they still if they still look functional yeah. like then maybe you could try it or just take a look at them and if they're like active real crazy and stupid and all kinds of stuff like you'll know that like oh yeah I don't want to look like that yeah. in front of all these people that I don't know or just met or you I know. guess I wasn't applying that philosophy to drugs <laughs> I, was, I was thinking more of like you know life experiences which I guess drugs technically are but uh yeah, that's that's a different route, I guess. And then it's interesting too the the fixation on sports and the fixation on uh, scholarships and like mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Uh, why do you think that you're not as bought into that as other parents? I don't know. Um, I mean, sports was like life growing up for me. It was like travel baseball. It was football, travel baseball, and basketball. And then in high school, football, baseball. Um, and I liked it. I mean, baseball kind of was played some mind games with me, but. Um, I don't know. I guess I just, I'd like to think it's just because I'm like pretty secure and happy with who I am. And I don't, not, and I'm not judging other parents, but I've, I have met people who I feel like are pushing their children so that they can tell other people like, hey, my kid's this, my mm-hmm. kid's that. And I don't, I don't really see it like that. I'm just trying to raise people who give more than they take and they're like a net gain for society. Like that's it really. Like that's like really my only standard. Are you, do you enjoy golf? Yeah. I play a lot of golf. I was going to say, I thought I saw some stuff on your on your Facebook about yeah. you being – are you a good golfer? I'm okay. I'm getting better. <laughs> I'm getting, I've gotten a lot better since I moved here because um, I have a membership now. This year, I'm going to try to play as much as possible because, you know, with twins coming, this might be my last hurrah. So. <laughs> but, uh, no, I like it. And then – uh, you seem excited about Fort Wayne, or at least you give the illusion on the no, on it. your feed. What what's so exciting about Fort Wayne? Okay, why should yeah. we be excited? There's a lot of reasons, and I think uh, part of it is the perspective I have of living in Orlando. Like the, all the negatives there, I think made me appreciate what we have here. Um, for starters, I mean, l- there's little things and there's big things. Little things to me are like traffic. Mm-hmm. Like people complain about traffic. We don't have traffic here. We don't have real traffic. Like we don't have the traffic where you would sit for three light changes and not get through the light. Like that doesn't happen here. So, and that was stuff that I was experiencing, you know, daily in Orlando, pretty regularly in Phoenix and in uh, Tacoma, Washington when I was out there. Um, so I love, you know, I love that aspect of it. I feel like the culture here is very respectful. Like, you know, not to say that there aren't like jerks, there's jerks everywhere, but mm-hmm. I'm talking in general, like, you know, you go to a gas station and your inter- interactions are pleasant. Um, you know, even the agents I do deals with here, it's, it's different. And, um, I just, I'm a big fan of the people like, you know, where I live now, I live out Southwest and, you know, I used to live in, again, Orlando and, you know, I'd see, see all kinds of nonsense. You know, I had a homeless person throw a bottle at my car and then have to explain it to my kids. You know, I was just driving by, just fired a bottle. 
And they're like, Dad, why'd they do that? And I'm like, I don't know where to start with that. But <laughs> <laughs> a long, it was a long line of bad decisions. But, um, you know, and now I, like, drive through the woods to get to my house. And, you know, so I just, for me, it's, um, I, I f- and I feel like it's very family-centric. And not that we didn't have good friends down there. I just, um, I, f- I also, that's all, like, for the lifestyle stuff. But if you're talking about, like, business, um, you know, it's small enough that you can pretty much connect with anyone you want. I mean, mm-hmm. I interviewed the mayor on my podcast, and I'd argue that was probably, like, the least important thing he's ever done, like, mm-hmm. the fact that he had time to do that. And so that is really nice. And then, um, you know, right now, now that it, we're, like, kind of exploding, I think there's going to be opportunity that we don't even see right now. Like, there's going to be stuff opening up that doesn't even exist right now. So I think now is, like, you know, we're kind of, like, doing this in Fort Wayne. So if you want to jump on the bandwagon now – you know, you can move. I mean, look at me. Like I moved here in 2019 and we sold 83 houses last year and it, it was, it's been going great. And it's not cause I'm special. I think it's because there's a lot of opportunity here. Wow. How would you say that, uh, your operation is different some, from some of your friends or your competitors? So you own, you have a team mm-hmm. and how many agents do you have? Three. Okay. And then how would you say that, like, if somebody wanted to join your team, why would they join your team? Sure. What is your, how is, how are you different and how are you, how do you separate yourself from our competitors? Yeah, uh, in a few ways. So we are definitely very different and I have a really hard time finding people for the team, for better or for worse. Um, So for starters, you know, the requirements that separates us, you have to be at the office four days a week um, from 8 to 9.30, making phone calls, cold calling every single, we basically do it every day used to be 8 to 10. We just backed it off to 930. Um, we have requirements for how often you post on social media. You know, you're expected to post. Like, not I don't come up with the content. Like, I want them to do their own thing, but they have to time block and be diligent and do these things. And it's not because I said so, but it's because you, you know how it is. Like, there's two engines that make a plane go, and it's marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a plan for both of those things. Um, so we're very intel- or, um, intelligent. We're very deliberate about that. Um, you know, just I think what we offer when we list houses, like our listing package is ridiculous. Like we offer, you know, I can give you the rundown, but basically we offer more than anyone else um, from pressure washing, video marketing, 3D tours, floor plans. We clean the house, um, professional photos, drone photos, all that stuff. And that can be for like a really gross little teardown. We're going to do all that um, because we're trying to build a brand. Like people have been like kind of questioning, like, why do you do all that for like these little houses? And I'm like, because more important than the extra like seven eight hundred dollars for me is that person now knows like when i sell a house or when any of my friends sell a house we're using them because i've showed like to me it's every sale is an audition for future business Mm -hmm. and so if you get to me if you get too caught up in like trying to wring that extra like two three hundred dollars out of them like you could lose a lifetime of referrals and so and it's not like that other people are doing it wrong or anything like that. It was more just like I'm trying to build a big referral network of people. Like I'm trying to give someone or not give them a reason to go anywhere else. Um, so that's another difference. Um, we, uh, I go on all the listing appointments with all my team. We've Actually, that's what I'm doing after this. Michael um, set a listing appointment and I go. Um, not because that they're not capable and not because they're not good enough or because I need to make it about me. But it's more like... A, I want my clients to know, like, hey, you really have a team behind you. Like, most real estate teams, if we're being honest, they're marketing. That's It's for marketing. Mm-hmm. So they can pool their sales and say, hey, we sold 300 houses last year. It's like, yeah, but you're not a real team. Like, you guys don't even know each other. You don't meet. 
you don't work together, you don't collaborate, like you just share a logo and pool your sales. Where I want these people to know, like you've got a full time assistant, you know, Michael's gonna have me in the background, you know, with eleven years of experience, and then he's like a young hustler who's going to get after it, and like they feel comfortable with us being there. So those are probably the main reasons or the main ways. That's awesome too, because as a as a managing broker, ultimately you're the one who's sort of like on. Well, I guess you, I don't know if you're the managing broker or not. Okay, so as the as the team leader, then uh, you're still kind of like their uh, their sounding board. Correct. But then also, well, I always I always think about how like the managing broker is ultimately the person who's responsible for all of the actions of all of the agents. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice to incorporate that somehow because I, I just feel like they kind of just. You never, never really meet the managing broker who's like ultimately responsible for the yeah. actions. And I want them to know that. And, and I'm, and I'm really strict with, you know, like I've, I've let go of agents who one agent did like 16 deals in their first year and, and we let them go and it was a tough decision. I liked them personally. Um, but like where I really, I'm serious about the culture. Like I really, if you're on this team, you have to be like honest, hardworking and a closer. Like that's it. Like there's no. Like most teams will have like some good people up top and some bad ones at the bottom and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just not what I'm going for. I know it's mm-hmm. not scalable. I can't have like a hundred person team mm-hmm. like that can't happen with this model. Um, but what it's enabled me to do is refer my buyers to them to free time to be with my family. Cause you with listings, I can control my time more. And then they get like this people that are buying. They don't, you know, most people make it about themselves. Like they don't need me. They need, good service and so if my agents are trained committed they're in the office every day making calls they're posting on social media every day they're looking at the hot sheet every day and then i'm always there available to answer every question like we can pretty much cover whatever these people need so i can recapture some time and then i can refer buyers while still focusing on listings and taking the you know one-off buyers here and there Pulling data lists like vacant houses, mortgage foreclosures and tax delinquent properties is important to direct to seller marketing Batch Leads is the main platform where we store our sellers' data and skip trace owners for their phone numbers, emails, and addresses. On other platforms, you end up having to pay twice for the same contact if you've already skip traced it. My favorite thing about Batch Leads is that if you've skip traced a contact once, you never have to pay for that contact again. Batch Leads has SMS texting campaigns, direct mail marketing, and Driving for Dollars app integrated in a simple-to-use interface. Click the link below and try Batch Leads today. Yeah, like what you said earlier, too. I think uh, one saying that Dakota mentioned in another podcast was that you're supposed to jump and then build your wings mm-hmm. on the way down. And then, you know, if you want some good engines along with those wings, yeah. <laughs> then you need marketing and sales. That's what you were just saying mm-hmm. is... Like those are pretty important uh, cornerstones for like building a foundation of a business is to have good good marketing and good sales. It sounds like you guys do. I mean, when you're talking about cold calling, um, those those targeted lists of people. How do you go about finding people who you're going to cold call? Uh, we we pay third party sources, um, you know, that run ads, Google Pay per click. Mm. Um, you know, they come in from social media and it's not all cold calling. I mean, I feel like that's like an all encompassing term. Like sometimes it's someone who, um, you know, might like got referred to me three years ago and just decided, you know what, 
I'm going to hold off. Well, I'll, I'll keep calling them until they like basically list or die. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at an appropriate cadence, I'm not doing it like weekly where they're like, please stop, mm -hmm. you know, but just enough to know for them to know, like, so they don't forget about me and so that they know I'm disciplined enough to stay in touch because I think you're showcasing like what the experience, like if I can keep in touch with someone for three straight years, they know when it's time to list, like this guy's on, he's paying attention, or he's at least trying to be. And so I think too many agents, especially agents, like just straight sales agents, they don't work hard and they don't try to stay in touch. And then someone who they know lists with someone else and then they like crap on that person. And I think that's just entitlement. Like I think if someone lists with someone else, it's because you didn't do your job. Mm -hmm. I've never gotten mad at someone for not listing with me ever. I mean, I'm disappointed, but I'm never gonna like, you know, call them a name or call them a, like say they're jerks or they're liars or they're this or they're that. It's like, I clearly didn't do enough to give them a reason to hire me. Yep, so. that's the way I always thought about it too. I was in car sales for a long time and I saw like a lot of family and stuff come in. I'm like, well, Apparently I didn't do something enough to like uh, make them come with me. So it's kind of on, on me. I take a uh, responsibility for anything that I can control. And obviously I could have controlled that mm -hmm. or done something. So it's not, it's not like you can get mad at them. What, what does the average agent do? I know you said you let somebody go that did 16. What does the average average agent do in a, in a year? Uh, oh gosh, I don't remember. I haven't ran this stack. Cause this used to be part of my pitch for the team. I think around four or five deals. Wow. So the, the usual life cycle of an agent is they jump in the business. They're all super excited. They're announcing on social media. They sell to their friends and family. And then that dries up. And then they don't know how to drive business. So then they switch brokerages because it's the broker's fault. It's not mine. And then they maybe switch brokers one more time. And then they're back to their nine to five. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it goes for most agents. And again, they're not bad people. They're, they're smart. They're well-intentioned. They're honest but they don't know how to drive business. And I think that's like the most important thing that agents overlook is they, and I did it too, just to be clear, my first, uh, my first year, I'm like, I'm going to make a hundred grand. I made 17 grand in my first year. Cause I didn't know how to find business. And cause I thought like, well, I'm hardworking and honest. And it's like, there's a lot of hardworking, honest people. That doesn't mean someone's going to beat a path to your door to work with you. So, hmm. um, so most of them don't do very much is the sh short answer. Yeah. Hmm. What does hardworking mean to you? Um, I guess it's kind of a subjective term. I think, um, I think it means doing what you say you're going to do. I think it means consistency. I think that's pretty much it. As long as you do what you say you're going to do and you're consistent, I think that's, that's hardworking. I think it can be different things for different people, you know? I like it. Yeah. I heard, uh, Alex Hormozy, um, actually define it. He defined it differently because, uh, it's interesting how, you know, especially in Indiana, we talk about hardworking and a lot of times that means you're doing physical labor, mm -hmm. or, you know, working a lot of hours or, you know, whatever, but you're not accomplishing anything. Mm -hmm. So he, he defined hard work by the amount of uh, things that he was able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an interesting uh, definition of hard work just because like uh, he's got a lot of team, like a big team that's able to help him get a lot done. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he's like, you know, they're working a whole lot, but then like, he's like, like, yeah, he's getting a lot done. And so he's like, well, I'm working hard. I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah. The amount of work accomplished yeah. during a time too. I think there's a physics equation where it just talks about how, like, if you pick up a 40 pound bag of softener salt, cause I'm thinking back to my grandpa's house and you carry, and you carry it over to the thing, uh, and you do it 20 times, you know, you end up with 800 pounds of salt. But if you like rent a bulldozer 
and put them all in the bulldozer and then drive that over you've accomplished the same amount of work you just have a bigger lever arm like the leverage of the vehicle that you're using to accomplish the task is greater therefore Alex Hermosi's equation is basically like what is the end result and like how much did you produce mm -hmm. and so the old definition of hard working is replaced more by his definition of how much work was accomplished yeah I think that's great I mean I, I kind of feel like I embody that transition where you know I used to be a landscaper like that was what my plan was doing my own landscaping company and you know, I was all about like, oh, you know, I'll carry, like I was all about, you know, young guy, like yep. bravado, seeing how much I could carry and how much I could haul and all this stuff. And how many, I was all about how many hours I worked. That was always a big point of pride. And, you know, my parents were blue collar and taught me to work really hard. And then I started after about five, six years in sales, I started realizing like, I'm not, I'm working really hard, but I'm not getting to your point. Like I'm not getting a lot done. And I started, once I started shifting, now I get, I actually just had this talk with my wife the other day. I was like, I get so much done in a day. Sometimes it's ridiculous. And I'm still home for dinner, like almost every night, really, unless it's a listing appointment or a showing. And like I said, I don't work with a, a, as many buyers. I'm pretty much home for dinner every single night. And, but I still get a lot done because I've kind of shifted like what my goals are. That's awesome. I was a landscaper too. I did landscaping for a while and then ended up in sales because I needed a winter job. Yeah. That's crazy. great. Yeah, I went. So that's what brought me to Florida. I went um, to Purdue, then went down to, for landscaping, did the resort thing. And like I mentioned before, it was tons of hours and lots of stress. And I was making like 40 grand in Orlando, Florida, you know, and it was just wasn't adding up. And that was when something kind of had to give. But yep. I still like it. I, I landscape my house and it's just something I enjoy. Yep, I love. I, yeah, like I miss it sometimes just like going outside and I like to mow and then I was making yeah. nice stripes and so I'm like, dude, it's oh, so yeah. relaxing, you know, like, like honestly, real estate people, that's what I mean by too, like, uh, by hard work is like, I remember when I was landscaping, I saw people in suits and stuff. I'm like, dude, they don't work hard. Like mm -hmm. they don't know what hard work is and stuff. And then now I do it. And then now I'm like, dude, it's a different level of work. I'd rather do the physical labor almost like not rather because obviously again it's about like the result that you're getting mm -hmm. and like uh, it makes more sense for real estate but man it is nice like just like just chilling like yeah. listen to music podcasts or whatever and it's like you know not having to worry about it. it's just like relaxing yeah the stress the mental stress i always the, i joke with the team like i have fantasies when deals are imploding of me just on a mower with headphones in just by myself <laughs> in a field just mowing like that doesn't sound so bad, but then I think about like, all right, if I play that out, like that wouldn't be very fulfilling for me personally. But I do have those moments. Yeah, that's the like, same exact thing I think. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I'm also looking at. Uh, so I was actually just down in Florida last week. I'm looking at a property at Port St. Lucie, so okay. real close to Orlando. So yeah. I'm glad you said that Orlando is not good because I was thinking, it's like, man, it'd be nice to have a property in Orlando. That way, I'm close to the airport, but I like Port St. Lucie a lot. So. Well, in that case, I should He's probably like, back Port up. Port St. Lucie's worse. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that is like two tiers down below Orlando. Orlando's a hunk of garbage, and like Port Lucie's like. So I should back up. Or I think, as far as like, I think Orlando's actually a city of the future. Like they're looking at getting an MLB team. The amount of development, like people are excited about here. This is a drop in the bucket compared to what they're doing. Like it's that was. Probably, if you're just talking business, probably one of the dumbest moves I made leaving because it's so transient. There's like so much business. It's probably not a bad place to invest, honestly. Hmm. I just didn't like. I just, I just personally, it was more like a just me thing than the gotcha. like city itself. Like I actually think 
they're very forward thinking. Like they're kind of like Vegas. I like can kind of compare them to Vegas where they've like shift, you know, Vegas was gambling, but now they're like this massive growing city and Orlando was Disney, but now they're like tech hub, um, you know, Lake Nona, they've got like all this state of the art tennis facilities, medical, the medical center. Like there's a lot of good things going on down there for investment. I actually would probably look at that. Nice. You still have the pressure washing business? Yeah. Does that actually make money? And do you just do you sub, a little bit. sub it out and yeah. then you kind of just make the residual off the top? Or Yeah. I actually have never talked about this publicly because I didn't want people to know that I owned it. But uh, here we are. Please don't call me if there's any problems. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want people to know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it does make money. I mean, you know, like I don't take a salary off it. I haven't spent a dime. I just roll it all back into the business. Um, it started as for the real estate side. Well, it started twofold. One, I wanted to, I'm like, I'm always thinking, how can we be different? So that way, when you ask me that question, I want it to be easy. Mm-hmm. Where most people say like generic things about how they're different. Like I have actually tangible things that I know no one else is doing. And so that was how that came about. And then I hired someone to clean my Airbnb and he quoted me a price. And I thought he was ripping me off. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I'm not paying that. And then I called around and I was like, oh, shoot, that is the price. And wow. that is way higher than I thought it was going to be. And so that kind of planted the seed. My wife was very against it. She's like my litmus, litmus test for all my crazy ideas. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, we're not like I'm not going to buy a yacht this year, but it's it's been profitable. And um, I'd, I'd like to think we actually just landed our biggest job ever yesterday. So that's kind of nice. That's wow. Like $15,000 job. Yeah. Where's it at? Uh, I don't actually don't remember. It's an apartment. I don't remember which one, but I know we just. It's got an it. apartment building. Complex. Wow. We're do like a whole complex. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's yeah. Funny. Everything. Yeah. Everything seems like a great deal. You know, like you're like, oh, that much for power washing? I'll, yeah. I'll rent the thing and I'll do it myself. And yeah. then you start doing it yourself, and you're like, oh my gosh, why's the thing like? Then you're like making yeah. adjustments, and you're. The sprayer's not working right. You're switching wands, and you're like, what happened to the pressure? And then you're checking, like, you know, the hose, and everything's getting kinked and messed up. And then pretty soon you sprayed something you weren't supposed to spray, and now it's damaged. And you're like, I should have just hired somebody else yeah. to do this. Yeah, and, and I've learned, like, you know, like anything else, not everyone is our customer. So, like, a big—I met a guy who had his own business, and him and I joined together. And a, a big learning curve for him was— getting our prices up. He would price it way too low. But once mm-hmm. I sat down and I'm like, we're not being greedy. I'm like, I have to pay for insurance because we're insured. I'm like, we have a truck, we have a soft wash system, a pressure washer, hoses, um, you know, marketing, a building, like all these things. I'm like, how do you think we're going to pay for these? And, what, and then the light bulb clicked for him and he, he got the prices up and things have been a lot better. But I've learned like not everybody's our customer. There's people who are like, think the prices are insane, but you know, I'd, I'd say the only way you're going to get cheaper is by going with someone who's probably kind of sketchy and either won't be in the business for very long or isn't going to be on time or is definitely not insured. So, yep. um, what are you going to do if the market dips? I mean, it pretty much has dipped. Um, <laughs> I mean, as far as like contraction, you know, closings are down. I think uh, first quarter they were around like 24% for our market. So depending on the month, you know, last month it was down um, 20%. It was like 19%. So, you know, I've kind of been preparing for this. This is what I've been not like hoping for. Are you when you say dip, are you saying like prices go down? I don't know. It's just sales, yeah, sales have decreased. Sands dip. Yeah, yeah sales are down. I mean, this is what I've been building for. I've been talking about this for years with my team. Like, uh, you know, I didn't know when, but I'm like, there will come a day where things change. Mm-hmm. But that's why we cold call on market so hard because I'm like, if you 
if you're a business, now I'm not talking about like the old timers who have massive books of business. I'm talking about the kind of middle person who is pretty connected. Maybe their kids play sports. They've got, um, you know, deals kind of getting referred their way, but they've never actually had to go hunt. Those are the people who are hurting big time right now. And I've been preparing the team and myself for a change with the expectation that whoever gets, whoever makes it out the other side is going to be sitting so pretty. I've seen it happen twice now in 2012 when I got licensed in Orlando, they were coming out of a major recession where like half the city was foreclosed, you know, as a made up stat, but there was a lot of foreclosures. And uh, I watched people who were average agents, but were still standing crush on the way out. And then it got saturated again. And then I saw it happen here too, where I got here in 2019, the market was taken off and I watched people just dominate and then it got real saturated again. So my goal is to just be one of the few standing when this lean time changes and hopefully capitalize on the way out. Do you have like a specific vision or like a specific dream? What would you say the end goal is, you know, with real estate, with your family, with you personally? Do you have something that you're projecting out that you're kind of working toward? Like a specific why? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of I'm kind of living my dream right now. I know mm-hmm. it sounds kind of lame because it's like <laughs> I'm a very average person, but uh, I don't know. No, I mean, my goal is to. I mean, obviously, I want to I want to get back into owning real estate because like I took a pretty big financial step back moving here. It was like I had no income and you know I had to reinvest in getting the team off the ground. But um, I would I would like to start um, you know buying real estate again and uh, you know spend as much time as possible without sacrificing the business with my children. But no, to me, it's just to try and enjoy every day. And as long as I wake up happy and my kids love me, I don't really, you know. Did you sell all your real estate in Orlando then? Yeah. I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I, everybody wishes they never sold their real estate. That's probably if I, I would say that's probably the thing I've made the biggest mistake is like selling my real estate. Like I didn't even, the thought of like, cash out refis, I didn't even know that that was a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so I look back and I, cause I, we bought very strategically in great areas. Like all of our real estate was really good. And so it was great when we sold and then we'd roll into the next one. And now I realized like, God, if I had just kept that, you know, but it could have gone the other way and, you know, you can always play that game, but I don't intend to ever sell any real estate again. I mean, not to say that it won't happen, but it's not a goal of mine. Like I don't really ever want to sell again. Oh, you just want to hold it all? Mm-hmm. Okay. Unless, like, something, you know, really awesome presents itself. But I'm not going to do what I did, which was just cash out because I could and then do the next thing. Yep. You know, unless, again, like, if an amazing opportunity presents itself and it involves selling, yes, but I'm not just going to sell because I want to, like, move or buy something else that's, you know, not that important. Yep. What's your biggest struggle right now? Hmm. My fitness. I've like let myself go so bad and it caused a bunch of back problems. So now I'm doing these like grueling back routines every morning. Shout out Josh Butcher, Indiana <laughs> physical therapies got me, got me back together. Um, definitely my fitness. Like that's not even, that's not even a question. Mm. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We show you where to find the money, how to find the deals, and how to negotiate the deals. We go over live sales calls, including negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's a video that we didn't make that you want, we'll make it for you. 
This knowledge has made us well over a million dollars and it's available right now for $9.97. Click the link below, buy the course. I think uh, the, what I always recommend to everybody is checking out 10X Health, any of their stuff. It's like pretty good. They have a genetics, a gene mutation test. They have a, a blood test that they do. And that's more on the nutrition side, but they can kind of like help you diagnose some issues. And like, it's just like the little one, two, 3% things that can make a difference, even in things like mental and emotional stress. And um, I take some of their supplements Yeah, and uh, it's been pretty helpful with with back stuff, you should look into uh, banded joint mobilizations, where you take a like a really heavy duty band, put it on, attach it to a, you know like a squat rack or something, mm-hmm. and then wrap it around your hip, and then you're you're working on adduction and adduction of the hip and dropping into like the world's greatest stretch, like yoga type stretches. Mm-hmm. But it's basically like having somebody grab a hold of your hip and pulling it backwards mm-hmm. while you're driving it forwards. And so it creates a little bit of separation in your hip joint. And a lot of times your back pain is actually more related to your hips and your ankles than anything else. Yeah. So. Yeah, mine's been a bulging disc. That was mm-hmm. that was what I was diagnosed with. But we're working on it. We're working on it. I wake up every day at 430 and do a pretty unpleasant routine for about an hour. But it's Jeez. working. I've been golfing and getting it back together. I'm sure you're doing the McGill Big Three, you know, like opposite sides arm and leg yeah that the the thing with the hand underneath the back where they've got one knee bent and then you're there and then uh there's another one on the mcgill big three those that's all stability type stuff but then there's also the more dynamic stuff like those banded joint mobilization so the physical therapists don't it's not like in their textbook kind of thing yeah so it's not something that they learned in school but like those those are a game changer for me. I've I had a stress fracture on the right side, L five. Okay. So it helped me a lot. Nice. All right. So what is uh what's your best technique for YouTube? Like what do you do to make your channel successful? I know you said that you just started to see like some upswing. How long have you been doing it for? And then like what was the tactics that you used? Yeah. Uh, the short answer is just intentionality. I think before I was just throwing it on YouTube, and up until I think. Probably November is when I was like, I need to shift off Facebook and, and get more into YouTube. Um, so I think it was, you know, like a lot of little X's and O's was part of it, you know, tagging videos, having the next video pop up. I didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. I was just literally throwing it on there and whatever happened, happened. Um, I think trying to put yourself in the mindset of your consumer. Um, I think too many people post videos because they want something out of it. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong or bad, but I think people are very tired of being sold to all the time. And so I try to just make something that's going to be interesting for people or informative, one or the other. And then if they get something from it, yeah, I didn't make a sale out of it and they aren't necessarily going to call me to list their house, but at the very least, they at least know who I am now. Mm-hmm. And now they're in my world and then I can mix in solicitations occasionally Versus like just constantly beating people over the head with like buying your stuff, you yeah. know, so. like Grant Cardone. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he does this thing too. So I, you know, this is just my strategy, and I'm like new to it, so I don't want to like put. There's people who constantly solicit and are selling way more than I ever will. So I'm not saying that they're wrong and I'm right, but since you asked me, that's just my strategy is to try to be interesting and informative, and you know, paying attention to the format. You know, I was making golf videos that were like super long and boring. 
And then we made like a short, fun, snappy one that did way better than all the other ones. So just like trying to figure out like, all right, what what's working and what type of format do people like? Like what do people want? Mm. You know? I like it. What is your favorite, best, or most interesting failure? Hmm. I don't know. I haven't had anything like too catastrophic because I think I played it so safe when I was younger. Um, I failed starting a media company, although I wouldn't even say I failed. I would say it just got stalled out for right now. I was trying to start because people are always, what they're doing is they're calling Dustin and they're like, can I have a Jake McAfee video? And he tells me that because he knows it gets me going. So he Mm -hmm. likes to get me worked up. Um, So I was like, you know, I need to start offering this service to people. So I was putting those pieces in place and it ended up not working out um, for the time being. I'd like to revisit that. Um, Probably, I don't know. This was maybe not exactly what you're going for. I probably could have been nicer to people when I was younger. I think like, I didn't realize the power that words held. And so I think like, I think that maybe I was a little bit of a jerk to people when I was younger. So that would probably be a big failure. Hmm. So what, what would your advice be to your younger self? I know you said you played it too safe. Like what would your advice be to yourself now or to anybody else who's like, you know, listening to Dave Ramsey and like scared to take risks and everything like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I would say like, because I, I have this talk now with agents who are like scared to really get going or scared to call people. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a new agent. She was afraid to call for sale by owners. And I was like, you know, this is like a little bit meta, but I feel like our brains aren't really wired for like the modern society that we're in. Like we were, we're wired to keep us alive. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, don't eat that berry, stay away from that giant cat, like that type of stuff. And that, that those fears kept us alive. But now, in our modern society, like we're so insulated and relatively safe. Like you can get in a car crash. Yes, there's bad people, but on the day to day, you don't really face a lot of danger. And so like, I feel like our brain and our body is telling us not to do things because it's trying to protect us from a problem. Mm-hmm. And like, there really is no problem. Like the worst that's gonna happen is that for sale banner says no, or like your business fails, like who really cares? And so then, you know, like we talked about Gary Vee, like I think like, he, he was, he's been amazing for my life. Like he was the one that got me out of like that mindset of like, who cares what your parents think? Or, you know, my parents are great, but I mean like, <laughs> you know, if people are other people's parents are critical um, or your cousin or your best friend or like any of that, like there's really no downside to trying, you mm-hmm. know? And then even when you go do something and you didn't, you know, it didn't work out, you sh- ideally should learn something from that as long as you're keeping your mind open and not making excuses. So Um, I think that was a big thing. Like even just the way I played sports, you know, like when I played basketball, I was always like defense and don't turn the ball over. Mm. You know what I mean? I know it sounds silly, but that's like the way I did it. And like, if I look back, I'm like, I probably could have scored way more if I had like tried to do that, but I didn't even try because I was so afraid to make a turnover. Like, and then I realized like, well, if I score an extra 15 points, who cares if I had two turnovers? Like the net was so much better that it doesn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of Gary Vee talks about, if you're juggling a lot of balls and one drops or two drop, like who, like, cause I've had people tell me that like, you know, the media and the pressure washing and real estate and stuff. And they're like, you're doing too much. And I'm like, well, I don't care if one fails because ideally I should have the other ones that work, mm-hmm. you know? So that would probably be it. Just trying more things. What do you think? Like, uh, like 
switch that mindset for you then like why do you think that you were that way do you think it was like program from school parents like other people and then what made you actually make that shift where you're like oh man if i would just shot the shot more like yeah. i would have made more shots yeah i th i think it was um probably school and parents i mean first of all school is based on punishing you for mistakes you make a mistake in school you get a bad grade that's your punishment mm -hmm. and so i think that's part of it and also my parents you know my mom lost both her parents when she was a teenager so she had you know what I mean? So she was raised, it was a, it was a tough go for her. And mm -hmm. my dad grew up dirt poor, one of nine kids um, over by Precious Blood. And so they were, you know, they were like taught me, like take the steady thing. And, but, but luckily they, you know, they, I wouldn't say they hindered me. I mean, they gave me the basis of like, you better outwork everybody, no mistakes. Like, you know, like you not feeling great today, but you're here. Like that came from somewhere, you know? Yeah. And I feel like I was kind of raised like that. Like don't get other people sick, but just because you're not feeling your best, like get up and go, right. you know? And so they gave me that. Um, I would say that's probably where it came from was just like clinging to what you have for the safety and then, you know, in the effort of avoiding like something catastrophic. Yeah, that's the interesting thing that I always think about too is like everybody's at that point at some point in their life. And I've talked a lot to my sister about this of like, man, everybody has money problems. Like everybody struggles with money. Like we're struggling with money in a way and like, you know, we – have a lot of properties and like you know net worth is high but then whenever you're doing deals and you're growing your capacity guess what you have money problems mm -hmm. so it's just interesting how it's like always there um no matter what level that you're at um so yeah i thought that is uh interesting i figured i was going with it because my brain's not working right. <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think too like again you know i think a lot of it is people are really hung up on perception yeah and and i was too like everybody likes me, like i don't care what people think it's like yeah you do and I, and I think a lot of people don't, myself included, was like, I didn't want the shame of a big failure, mm. you know, whether it was something small, like in a sports event, or if it was something big, like trying a new business, and I was afraid of that failure. And, you know, I didn't know that at the time, like, I wouldn't have been able to articulate that at the time. I thought I was just making moves and being smart. But now I look back, and I'm like, yeah, you could have, and I definitely took some risks. I mean, you know, buying multiple properties, like quitting my job in March of 09, like, I've taken some risks, but I think I should have taken way more. Yeah. Actually, uh, my girlfriend's grandma um, said that she was buying properties, refinancing and all that stuff. And then like they were buying a lot of them. And then I can't remember what year it was, 89 or something like that. Something happened and they just like got scared and they stopped. And so it was funny because like, you know, a lot of older people, usually the ones that tell you play safe, don't take risks, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then she just said, don't get scared. And I'm like, wow, like that is actually yeah. good advice. <laughs> like, don't get scared. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And it is scary. I mean, I think but I also think it comes back to like knowing who you are. Like, you know, if, I don't know how many people are going to watch this, but like most people probably shouldn't go start a business. Like you have to, unless you want to, I think you should try, but there's a massive amount of stress that comes with that, that like can be crippling for some people and it would detract from their quality of life. Or like for me, it doesn't mm -hmm. like for me, I just stress comes and goes and I just wait it out. <laughs> you know, I yeah. have learned like it's something I've learned to just manage where I'm like, all right, like even right now, like we were talking about the market going down, um, you know, my my income has gone down. I, I let go of some people on the team. We had have I'm on my third admin this year. Like wow. Q1 was rough for me. It was it was really rough. It wasn't fun at all. But right now we're in a position where like now the team is super strong. We've got a great admin. I'm like super optimistic again. But if you would have talked to me in like March, April, I would have been like, this sucks and I don't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> like, I'm just, I want to put on 
my ear protection yeah. and get on my mower. Just, out, <laughs> I just want to be out in the field, man. Just out in the field riding, like nobody calling me, doing, asking for anything, you know. So, where do you think the optimism comes from? Because I feel like I have a lot of optimism too. No matter how bad it is, I'm like, dude, like you right now, I feel like crap. I'm like, ah, yeah, I'll be okay, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess I just try to look and I, I'm a. I consider myself a fairly pragmatic person and I just look at like really how good we have it. Like if you compare, like if you go online, you can find your set of negativity. But I feel like if you look at like any time in life, like our medicine is so good, Mm -hmm. like our interpersonal, you know, know, even race relations, people get upset about that. But I'm telling you, like I see interracial friends and relationships and um, I just think there's money everywhere everywhere i mean you guys are pretty young and like look at the business you started like yeah. i'm not discrediting i'm saying like the opportunity yeah, the opportunities there for is everybody. there for anyone it's not like you guys went to harvard and had like elite parents or anything like that it was like you just were hard working and said let's go do this and i think that i think it's easy to get hung up in like the day-to-day negativity and you miss how good like you know even this like that bud light stuff where people are all freaked out about I'm like i don't give sh- i don't care about bud light right. i don't care <laughs> like that stuff just doesn't get to me and so uh I'm, I'm entertained by it like i keep up on current events but they don't i don't like fret about like these national trends that get people so worked up of like whatever the flavor of the day is like i just don't care about any of that stuff do you think do you think this will be the last question I asked on this. Do you think that the government's doing that on purpose in order to, like, manipulate or anything like that, like, manipulate the people? Or you think that it's just people being people? I don't know. And I have thought about this. Um, I Part of me thinks it's just capitalism. And, mm-hmm. like, the, the powers that be know if they can get people upset, people will click. And if they'll click, they can sell ads. So I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I think, like... Like, I don't think the media, I don't think Fox News actually gives a shit about politics. I think that they know yeah. if they can make people upset. And that's, that's still, you know, same thing with CNBC. Like, I don't think either one actually cares. I think that they know if they can make people upset or afraid enough, they'll keep watching. And if they can mm. keep watching, they can sell ads. And so, like, I think if you watch, because there's major problems that just go right on past and mm-hmm. nobody even pays attention. So that tells me, like, all right, they're not actually trying to focus on what we should be concerned about. They're trying to feel, like, what... You know they have all the metrics so like whatever gets people's emotion ramped up just pour gas on that mm. and then see how we can monetize it i mean maybe it's a bigger play i i don't know that's kind of above my pay grade but. yeah it seems kind of funny it's like the whole epstein case kind of just like gets sweeped yeah. underneath the rug and it's like that could be devastating to like both both political parties and yeah. like the elites and stuff so let's keep that out of the news let's focus on how bud light did yeah. a campaign yeah. endorsing trans people and how that's a huge problem that we should really be concerned yeah. about now <laughs> yeah exactly and that, it's like, like what what happened to russia ukraine i haven't heard about it in like six months yeah you know? exactly and that that's kind of my point is i i to me it's it's um just capitalism and people learning how to make money. I think that's really what it is. But I don't, I don't know. That's why I don't get upset, though, because I know if yeah. the goal, if I know someone's trying to make me emotional, I'm, like, stubborn, and I'm just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not yeah. going to get mad be so about stoic it. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question. This one's a good one. Uh, it's this the, a good one. This, this one's a good one. Like, All, the other, this. All the other questions are <laughs> 5 out of 10. This is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> so... Uh, 61 years from now, you're 100 years old, I think. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're on your deathbed, and you have a final message to the world. And this is Jake McAfee's specific 
Uh, everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, that sounds like Jake. It could be a paragraph. It could be a sentence. It could be a mantra. It could be your billboard on Times Square. It's your message to the world. It's your legacy message, how people are going to remember you. What's it say? It's heavy. Probably subscribe to Jake in Fort Wayne. One last push. Um, I don't know. I would probably say a lot of the things we've talked about, like try to take more risks and just be nice to people, you know, like, and being nice doesn't mean like be walked on, but mm -hmm. I think like, you know, understand that other people are going through stuff. Don't take it personally and try to, like I said with my kids, like just try to be a net positive and that's it. You know, like I look at like my father was a mailman, but he was a little league coach, a football coach. So like, you know, he Jeez. might not be able to sit down here and talk about business, but like I think about all the lives he's impacted, Yeah, you know, through he actually coached basketball, too. So face, face uh, football, baseball, basketball. So I think just trying to be a net positive and, you know, just contribute because I think like life's hard enough. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's no reason to make it harder on anyone else. Be respectful. Take risks. Be nice. Life's not as hard as you're thinking if you compare yourself to a caveman. <laughs> and don't let the media machine get you emotional. Jake McAfee. <laughs> well said. Well said. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, Jake in Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. um, you can email me, jacob at mcafeehomegroup.com. Um, Instagram, Jake McAfee Fort Wayne or Jake McAfee FW. I'm pretty much everywhere. I try to be. So, Awesome. Any final thoughts to share with our viewers? No, I think we covered it. You guys are good at this. This was fun. I know you're feeling a little rough, but uh, that was fun. Yeah, I'll say you have to. We'll, we'll have you again next year when I'll, I'll be feeling better. All I right. feel like I'm a different By person. By next year? I hope it's like two <laughs> weeks. He's like, I'm going to need you here back soon. Or two days. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate you. We've, yeah. we've heard a lot about you, so super excited to, to get this out there and help some people. Yeah, thanks. That's thank fun. you guys for watching. Peace.